0: is Marizal and I will be your online host for today. If this is your first time visiting us, we would love to hear from you. You can text me to 604-285-570 and we will mail you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle. We are thrilled to have you here at Thrive. Parents, remember to visit mythrive.info forward slash Thrive Kids for the weekly kids activities including the worship video and the teaching video and some discussion questions for the whole family. We also have resume class every Sunday from 10.45 a.m. to 11.15 a.m. At Thrive Kids, we make sure that the kids have an amazing experience online, just like their parents. We really miss seeing you here at Thrive. Take a selfie of yourself watching from home and share it on your social media. Don't forget to add hashtag I'm sure you are all excited about hearing more of the Financially Fit message series. Join me by listening to this powerful message from Pastor JB.
1: Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland.
2: J.B., what are you doing? Hi, Pastor Char!
1: Guess what? I know every Christmas, you love going to the mall to take pictures with Santa. I know we can't do that this year, so I thought I'd bring Santa to you! Look at this guy! He's huge! Oh
2: my goodness! Sit on his lap!
1: You know, J.B.,
0: that is so sweet and so thoughtful of you. And, and, And before I do that, here's the thing. I know that every single year, you really look forward to seeing the Christmas singing tree. And this year, I'm sorry, but we're not able to do that. But you you know what, it's okay, it's okay. See, here's the thing. I thought I would bring the Christmas tree to you. And this tree, it doesn't sing, but it dances.
1: This Christmas, are there a bunch of things that you wish you could do, but you just can't do? Things that you're used to doing, but you just can't do right now? Well. I want to tell you, there is something you can do to celebrate Christmas with your family and friends this year that's really, really special.
0: That is right, because on December 20th, Sunday, Thrive Church will be hosting four online services, and that's going to be happening at 9.30am, 11.30am, 2.30pm, and 7.30pm, and it's going to be spectacular! That's
1: right. It just might be the most meaningful way you celebrate Christmas this year, so we want to invite you to invite your family members your friends your neighbors to tune in to our thrive church christmas services on december 20 you don't want to miss it we can't wait to host you have a very merry christmas everybody
2: merry christmas
1: Well, hello, hello everybody. Welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JV. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and I'm so excited to welcome you to an amazing Sunday to come together for Thrive Church Online. If this is your first time here, you are what we call our Thrive VIP. We are so glad that you're here. And just as a little way to say thank you so much for joining us today, if you want to go to mythrive.info and touch the button New to Thrive, there's a special gift we want to give to you. It's your very own stainless steel, Thrive Church water bottle, just a little way for us to say thanks so much for joining us on this day. Can we give all of our VIPs in this place a big hand together right now? If you're here for the first time or you've been here before, a huge welcome to you. In fact, we've got a saying here at Thrive, which is that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, would you go into your chat rooms right now? Would you welcome one another? Would you go into the neighbor that you're sitting beside? If there's someone right now, would you give them a high five, a handshake, a warm hug, an air five five, an air handshake, an air hug? Let's just welcome another to church today, and let's welcome another to the house of God. You guys are a beautiful church inside and out. I hope you've had a good week. I hope you had a good weekend. I know that here at Thrive, it is a busy time for us as we are getting ready for one of the most exciting times of the year for us, which is Christmas. You saw the promo video for Christmas services, and we are so excited for Christmas services next week, December 20. You don't want to miss it. I hope you've been inviting your friends. We certainly have. And we just like to make the most of this opportunity to spread contagious hope. and to share God's love in this very special time of the year. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. On top of that, also, we've got Santa's workshop happening the day before on December 19th. That's a Saturday. And we've been having so much fun inviting our friends who've got young kids, ages 3 to 11, to be part of what's going to be such a super fun virtual on Zoom celebration. They get to do some crafts, sing some Christmas carols, uh, you know, have a chance to meet Santa, take a picture with Santa. It's going to be an amazing time, a great way to invite your friends who maybe don't have a church home to come and check out Thrive Church on that day. You can sign up for all those things at my thrive.info but can't wait for next week next week is going to be amazing and we're praying, working hard, not getting a whole lot of sleep, it is playoff time as we say here at Thrive but we couldn't think of a better cause to lose sleep over because uh, God is great his love is real his hope is contagious and the best is yet to come. Turn your neighbors and say I can't wait for next week, I can't wait for next week, it's Christmas service next week but today is super special as well, I want to encourage you as we get ready for Christmas next week. I want to encourage you to do something we started talking about last week, which is just to put up the lights. Everyone say, put up the lights. And what I mean is this, is you can help us put up the lights and make Thrive Church the most welcoming place by going on Google and giving a review of our church. If you call Thrive Church Your Home Church, or maybe you want to go to Facebook or Instagram and rate or review or like our page or like every post you can see there. Why? It's because we expect in the next few days that we're going to have a lot of visitors who are going to be invited to our Christmas services, who are here to check out Thrive Church, and they're going to be going to our website, our social me to check things out and one you one way that you can spread contagious hope is to tell people how much you love your church and in so doing you're telling people this is a safe place this is a great place god is at work here and so i want to encourage you to do that let's put up the lights together it's going to be an amazing time next week let's get ourselves ready for it and let's be the most welcoming church we possibly can if you believe that say amen Amen. It's going to be unlike any Christmas we've ever had, but we're going to make the most of it, believing that God is with us and the best is yet to come. Did you guys bring your Bibles here today? If you did bring your Bibles, it's time to get that out right now. And this is my Bible right here. We're going to hold up your Bible in the air just like so. Maybe yours is a phone or a device to download the Have you invited someone to our Christmas service yet? It's happening this coming Sunday, December 20. You don't want to miss it. Invite all of your friends. Hey, another question. Have you ever wondered what pine coast tastes like? the Bible into. Either way is cool. Why don't you hold up your Bible like this, and we're just going to make a proclamation together in faith, just a fun way to get our hearts for the, ready for the message right now. So let's say this together right now. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's Word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's Word can come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 So good to have you here at Thrive Church Online. And if you are new to church, if you're new to, you know, the Bible, just exploring Christianity, you're curious about Jesus, we're especially thrilled that you're here. We hope that you find that Thrive Church is a safe place for you just to be yourself. A place where you can find encouragement, some hope to get you started during the week, uh, a place where you can find some community, and there's any way that we can serve you at all. We'd love to know. If you want to go to mythrive.info, there you'll find a whole bunch of ways that you can take next steps, ask questions. If you want prayer, you can press the prayer request button. If you're going through a tough time right now, then we encourage you to access those resources there because we'd love to serve you in any way that we can. Turn a neighbor and say, welcome home. Tell them right now, welcome home. Praise God. Well, we're doing a series here at Thrive. It's called Financially Fit. And this series called Financially Fit is a series on money management. It's in many ways an unprecedented time, not just when it comes to health for people around the world, but also when it comes to the economy and finances. And that's why we're doing this series called Money Management, believing that when we do things God's way, that in every season we can find hope, that in every season we can even prosper. And when I say financially fit, I don't mean that by being financially fit, you're going to you know be a billionaire automatically. If you apply these lessons, you're going to you know drive the nicest car, live on a big mansion on the biggest hill on the biggest side of the city. I'm not talking about that, but we're talking about being financially healthy, where you are being able to live within your means, you're saving, you're not really deep into debt or worry or stress about money. You're able to not just get by paycheck to paycheck, but live well and take care of those Around you, and, and even give as well to your church and to other causes that you care about. That's what we call financially fit. Everyone say, financially fit. And if you missed any one of our episodes so far in our series called Financially Fit, we encourage you to go to our Thrive Church Vancouver podcast or check out our YouTube page. In episode one of our Financially Fit series, a few weeks ago, we looked at three ways that God wants us to look at money. Three important perspectives we need to have on money if we want to be financially fit. In addition to that, in episode one, we looked at five habits of financial fitness. That if you want to be financially fit, you need to have these five habits In place, developing those habits more and more. If you missed that, you can go check that out. Episode two, we looked at seven financial danger signs. These are seven financial pitfalls that all too common people fall into, which the Bible warns over and over. And we talked about what you can do about it if you're in one of those financial danger signs right now. Well, today, I want to begin our episode three of our Financially Fit series by answering some questions. Because, praise God, we've had a bunch of questions come in about money and money management, and we want to, you know, scratch where you guys are itching, and so I thought we'd begin a little bit with some Q&A, if that's okay. We're going to just answer a few questions that people have been asking, and then I want to end with a message that I've entitled, The Power of Giving. Well, let's start with some Q&A. Let's start with a question. The first question here is, what does the Bible say about making a profit? If I have the opportunity of making money by selling an object or service, I think I'm supposed to earn as much money as I can. Sometimes, though, I have trouble justifying selling for a high price because I wouldn't pay for it myself, but I know others will. For example, charging a piano lesson for 40 bucks. Well, by the way, I, I don't know if 40 bucks is that expensive of a fee for a piano lesson, by the way, but I, I, let, let's look at what the Bible says about doing business and making money. Look at Proverbs 16, 11 together. What does it say? Proverbs 16, 11 says, read it with me. It says, the Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He says the standards for fairness. Let's look at it in the message paraphrase. It says, God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business is his business. Let's look at it in the Living Bible translation. It says, the Lord demands fairness in every business deal. He established this principle. See, what is the lesson from Proverbs 16 and 11? Is that God cares about us doing business fairly and with integrity. And so if you're a supplier of a service or you supply a product, God expects that we will offer that product or that service for a fair and honest price. Is that just because we know that there's someone out there in the world who's willing to pay the super crazy high price for, that doesn't mean we should take advantage of that. Whether it's toilet paper or it's a piano lesson or something else, we want to charge a fair price. If you believe that, say amen. And see, so if you feel like you're going to rip someone off, then probably the right thing to do is to offer a price that you believe is fair that will result in a win win for both you and that person. And believe and trust God that He will honor you for the integrity that you showed in your business dealings because God looks at the heart. And say, by the way, if you charge an exorbitantly high price for something, in the short term, you might make some money, but in the long term, people will clue into the fact that, wow, you're charging super high prices and your business. Won't last very long, and so for the long term uh, perspective, you also want to make sure you're charging a fair price Turn to your neighbor, and say God cares about fairness. God cares about fairness. God cares about honesty. God cares about integrity. And that's a really good question. Thank you so much for the person who asked that one. Here's another question, which is, you were talking last time in episode two about avoiding get-rich-quick get, get schemes. So is it wrong to play at a casino or to buy a lottery ticket? Let me ask you this question. Is it a sin to play the lottery? or a sin to step into a casino and you know maybe play blackjack. Let me put it to you this way. I will say not necessarily. See if you are financially fit. And you have the five financial habits we talked about in episode one. You uh, are avoiding those seven financial danger signs we talked about in episode two. You've got a good measure of self control and say for fun or, you know, you've got some extra disposable income and for fun, you know, you, in, in addition to you know, spending with your means, in addition to saving, in addition to, you know, being careful with your money, you decide that, you know, you want to pay five bucks to get a lotto 649 ticket. Do, do I believe God's going to strike you down in his wrath? No. No, if you walk into a casino and you're doing all those things, or financially, and you decide, you know, you just want to just try with some self-control to play one game of blackjack at a, at a casino. Do I think God's going to strike you down for that? I don't think he will. See, God gives us a lot of freedom to decide what we will do with the money he's entrusted us. But what the Bible does warn us about is depending on playing games that are purely based on chance as a way to make money. That is a dangerous way to make a living. That is a a very speculative, dangerous way to make money, and the Bible warns against depending on that as your hope, as, oh, my hope to become a millionaire is to win Lotto 649. If that's you, then the Bible would caution you against living that way. We want to be careful, not careless. We want to be thoughtful, not thoughtless. We want to be wise, not foolish, with our money. If you believe that, say amen. The key is self-control. You know, Proverbs says that a person without self-control is like a city with all of its walls broken down. So we want to have self-control in the way we use our money. Now, some might say, well, what about poker? You know, what about professional poker players? You know, isn't that a game of not just chance, but it's, you know, some skill and maybe using probability. You know, if it is, then maybe quite possibly that's a different story. But in all these cases, the key is self-control. Everyone say the key is self-control. The key is self-control. Those are just a couple questions that people asked, and those are certainly not all of them. In fact, one thing that I think really shows your heart, Thrive Church, is that uh, you know the questions that you guys asked. I think really reflect your heart, and the fact is, we receive more questions on one topic than any other topic. And you know what that topic was? We received more questions on the topic of giving than any other topic. And the questions were not, oh, why should I give or whether or not I should give, but more how should I give? How can I give more wisely? And I just love that. It's one of the reasons why I'm so proud to be your pastor is because you guys are such a, a, a giving, generous church. You know, Even in a year like 2020 with COVID-19 going on where, where people are hoarding toilet paper and giving less to charity, you as a church have given more to charity this year than any other year. You've given $12,000 to Backpack Buddies. You've given $6,000 for our Bibles for Kenya project. You gave over $2,000 to our Canadian prison ministry, giving hope to inmates. You know, $1,200 to victims of the Lebanon gas explosion. You guys have given more to charity this year than any other year. Can we give God a big hand for that right now? That is incredible. And I'm so proud of you guys, as your pastor, that you guys are such a generous church. And in fact, next year, in the beginning of next year, near the beginning of next year, we're going to be unveiling a new project that we'll be doing together to spread contagious hope in this world. But since so many of your questions were related to giving, I want to spend the rest of the day sharing a message that I've called, The Power of Giving. And in this message, I hope to address a number of the questions that you guys have been asking about giving. And here's one of the questions right now. Question about giving was this. In the early church, everyone sold a lot of their belongings and divided among the brothers and sisters. How come we don't really do that anymore in the present day? Well, talking about the early church, what we find in the book of Acts in the New Testament. Let's look at what the Bible says about what those Christians in the early church did. Look at Acts 2, 44 to 47. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And if you keep on going to verse 32, it says this, as all the believers were one in heart and mind, no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all. There were no needies, need, needy persons among them. For From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. See, what's going on in Acts 2? See, in Acts 2, the church has just started. Jesus has ascended to heaven. He's launched his church in Jerusalem, and now we see Christians are selling their possessions, big assets, homes, land, to give To the church leadership, so that the church can distribute these things to others in need. Now, why were they doing that? So, you got to remember the context behind all this. See, back in that day, about 2,000 years ago, when the church first started. Remember that on that day when the church first began, a guy called Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he gets up in front of this huge crowd and he preaches the gospel, how Jesus Christ lived the most amazing life, how he died on the cross for our sins as the scriptures would say that he would. And then on the third day, according to the scriptures, he would rise again from the grave to show that death and sin have no hold over him. And he did it all because he loved us. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter, he preaches that gospel, and the the Bible says in Acts 2 that approximately 3,000 Jewish people became Christians that day. About 3,000 Jews believe the message about Jesus. They get baptized and they join the church. And see, this is the thing. Where did these 3,000 Jews come from? See, a lot of them did not live in Jerusalem. A lot of them had come from faraway places, different nations around the world to come to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival called Pentecost. And while they're celebrating, Celebrating this festival, it just so happens that they hear the gospel, the message about Jesus, they believe in Jesus, they become Christians, they join the church. And since there was only one church back then, there wasn't any other church in the world, there wasn't online church like we have right now, there weren't books to take back home, there weren't schools to go to, The, the only way that these new believers could continue to learn and to grow and to hear teaching to help them mature in their faith was to stay where they were, to stay in Jerusalem and to maybe extend their stay longer than they'd hoped and continue to meet with the church there now Put this in modern day context right now. Practically speaking, say in non-COVID-19 season, and praise God, that will happen one day, amen? COVID-19 is not forever, but say in non-COVID-19 season, say 3,000 people come from all over the world and they come to visit Thrive Church. And say, just for argument's sake, that Thrive Church is the only church in existence. Praise God, in this day, there are tons of churches all around the world, good churches, but say Thrive Church at the moment is the only church in existence. And 3,000 people from all over the world, they come here, they come to Thrive Church, they hear the message about Jesus, they believe in Jesus, they're so hungry to learn and to grow in their faith that they say, you know what, I'm not going to go back to my other country. I'm going to stay here because I want to grow with you guys and and do life with you guys and I want to grow in this relationship with God that I have. As a church, what would we do? If you have 3,000 new believers who are hungry to learn but they have no place to say, what would you and I do? We would probably try to do what we could to serve them. We would probably we do what we tried try, try to do, what we could to give them some housing, a place to stay, you know, clothes to, to, to wear, maybe some food to eat, because it's out of our compassion that we look at these people and say, What? Well, these people are in need. Let's do something about it. And that's what the Christians in Acts 2 were doing. They sell some of their biggest land, their assets, their homes, so that these poor new Christians who don't have a place to stay now have a place to stay. Now, notice this the leaders didn't say, Church. Every single one of you, you must sell everything you have, give it to us, and we're going to redistribute the wealth. That's not what they said. This was not a top-down command from the leadership. This was not a top-down command necessarily even from God. Rather, it was out of the gratitude of their hearts that these Christians in Jerusalem decided to give. It was not an act of compulsion. It was an act of compassion. See, it was out of gratitude and generosity, not out of obligation, that they did what they did. And see, here we see the difference between capitalism, communism, and Christianity. See, capitalism, a capitalist market, what does capitalism say? Capitalism says, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. And if you don't have it, too bad. Tough luck. That's your problem. Because what's mine is mine, and I get to keep it. That's called capitalism. Communism, and some of you guys are familiar with communism, is that it says what's yours is mine, and I have a right to take it. And, and see, it's that I can take what is yours, I can give it to someone else. This is called redistribution of wealth in a communist system. And so capitalism says, what's mine is mine, I get to keep it. Communism says, what's yours is mine, and I have a right to take it. Christianity says, what's mine is God's, and I'm going to share it. See, that's the difference. See, in very simple terms, that's the difference between capitalism, communism, and Christianity. Capitalism says, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. Communism says, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. And Christianity says, what's mine is God's, and I'm going to share it. That's the difference. And it reminds me of a story about how a number of years ago in London, there was this open mic session that was happening in a place called Hyde's Park. And there was a communist who took the mic and he starts to talk about communism and he all of a sudden he spots an old man in the crowd and he points the old man and says one day when communism takes over communists are going to put a new suit on that old man and then a pastor in the crowd he went up and he said well one day when Jesus takes over Jesus is going to put a new man in that old suit And see, what is that idea? It's the idea that whereas politics changes policies, Jesus changes people. See, politics is just only about, you know, trying to change things from the outside in. Jesus changes us from the inside out. And that's what you see happening in Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 5, Acts 6. It's not Christian communism. It's Christian compassion responding to a crisis. And it's for that reason that we don't come up here at Thrive Church and say, all right, everybody, Thrive Church, every one of you, we're going to sell everything we have. We're going to pull it together. We're going to buy some big plot of land. In Abbotsford or Comox or Bowser, BC, and we're all going to move there. We're going to set up a commune, and you know, you're going to live in little huts. And we're all going to wear the same clothes. And you know, we're going to, and then every day, our, 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 our staff, like you know, Ryan or Amy, are going to give out your rations every day. And that's how we're going to live life from now. See, the Bible doesn't call for that. It's because Acts two was not advocating a certain political system. It's describing what happens when God works in people's hearts. See, Acts 2 is describing what the church was doing in response to a crisis. And there's a lesson here for us. And you can write it down. Is that one clue that God is working in your life is that you give unselfishly. It's that you give unselfishly. It's not just how much Bible you know. It's not just about how much church you attend. It's about how do you give? Because one clue that God is working in your heart is that you give unselfishly. And so to the question of, oh, so how come we don't really see that anymore in the present day? People giving up their lands and the house. Actually, you'll be surprised. In fact, you know there are people who still do that in this present day, not out of obligation, but out of compassion. You know, I've seen Christians who say, you know, we've got this house that we've lived in for many, many years. It's kind of big for us, and yet there's this major issue with homelessness in our city. So we're going to downsize. We're going to sell our home. We're going to move to a smaller home, and we're going to use the extra money to help build a homeless shelter. I've seen that happen before. I've seen Christians say to their church and say, you know what, we've been saving up this amount for something special, and we decided, you know what, the best way that we can use this this, this, this chunk of money is to give it to the church, and you know, it's not much, it's maybe $100,000, but let, let's, we want to have it, give it to you, because we want you to, to, to help in, in building a new building for the church or, or to help with the mission of the church. That thing still happens. You know, in, in my life as a lawyer, sometimes I'd be really touched when clients would come up to me asking to help them draft a will, and they would say, okay, you know, can you also include, I don't just, I want to give to my kids, I want to give to my spouse, but I also want to give $200,000 to my church. And this person doesn't have much, but they're like, you know, I want to give 200,000 to my church. And they're like, oh, really? Wow. And what they're saying is this, is that I'm so thankful to God for what he's done in my life or what he's done to my family, for the hope I have because of him. And I believe that God is using his church as the vehicle to do those things. And so even after I die, I want to make sure that my church is well taken care of. Even after I die, I want to say that I'm still contributing to the work that God is doing here. And so I'm going to I'm gonna include the church in my will. I've seen that over and over and over again. No one forced them to do It, they just did it out of a compassionate, willing, generous heart. And the fact is, you and I, we can do something similar. Is that one clue that God is working in our heart is that we give unselfishly? If you believe that, say amen. The fact is, this God uses the generosity of people to build, equip, and empower His church. Let's look at Psalm 112 right now. And Psalm 112 is one of my favorite Psalms in the Bible because it describes it paints a picture of the kind of life that God wants us to live, the kind of life that God blesses. Look at this, Psalm 112, verses one to nine says this. says, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. Praise God for that. Praise God. Maybe you're going through a dark time right now. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe tough, stuff is rough in your family or with your finances right now. Verse four says, light shines in the darkness of the godly. In other words, when you have Jesus in your life, you always have hope, amen? Keep on going. It says, verse four, says, they are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. Praise God. They can confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They're confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. See, Psalm 112 is painting the picture of the kind of life that God blesses. And notice how much when it comes to the kind of life that God blesses, notice how much generosity gets repeated over and over in this Psalm 112. Look at verse 4. It says, light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Go down to verse five. This is good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Verse nine, they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. You know, if there's one attribute that is emphasized more than any other in Psalm 112, a picture of the life God blesses, that attribute is generosity. And see, over and over, not just in Psalm 112, but throughout Scripture, you're going to find this emphasis on generosity. Why is that? Why make generosity your emphasis? Especially in a time and in a culture where it's all very much about me first, about taking care of myself, looking out for number one, looking out for me. Why is generosity something that the Bible emphasizes? It's because the Bible recognizes something that a lot of us don't, is that there is power in generosity. There is power in generosity. Today, we're talking about the power of giving. Let me share with you five reasons generosity is powerful. Five reasons to give generously. Number one, write this down. One Number one reason that generosity is powerful, generosity brings hope. See, when you give generously, you make God's hope and God's love real in the lives of the people around you. When you give generously. Now, I remember a couple weeks ago, I heard of this restaurant manager who decided that because the COVID-19 numbers were out of control in his area, he would temporarily shut down his restaurant. And so he went on his restaurant social media page and he wrote this. He said, due to the high COVID-19 numbers, we are closing temporarily. We will finish off this week with Sunday brunch. We are not doing takeout for Thanksgiving. We will miss you. Stay healthy and hope to see everyone on the other side of this. And so they're planning to close. And on the day that they're supposed to shut down at 1 p.m. on a Sunday, a somewhat regular customer walks in and he orders a beer. He sits down, he takes two sips of that beer, and he then says to the manager, hey, could I just get the bill, please? And then they gave him the bill, he deals with the bill, that customer then takes that bill over to the manager's table and says one thing, he says, be sure to share this with your staff. And then he walks away. He walks out the door. And and when the manager looks at the bill, at first he thought, "Wow, a three hundred dollar tip, awesome!" But then he put on his glasses and realized he'd missed a zero. Is that this customer had paid a three thousand dollar tip on a seven dollar beer? And see, the manager he he runs out to find this customer to say, "Hey, hey, was this a mistake? Did 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 you like?" And he said, "Oh no, no, that's what I intended. Share it with the staff." Merry Christmas, and we'll see you when you come back. And see, on that day, the manager and his three staff, they each took home $750 in a tip. And see, through uncommon generosity, this man made God's hope and love real in the lives of others. So if you believe that, say amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Hope is contagious. Hope is contagious. What's the lesson here? Is that when you give generously, you make hope possible for other people. You make hope and love real in the lives of people. This year, our theme at Thrive Church is contagious hope. And because because I'm here to tell you this, it is tough to spread hope without generosity. It is, I would say it is impossible to spread hope if you're not generous. It's because generosity makes hope visible. Generosity makes hope tangible. Generosity makes hope accessible. You might have all the hope in the world living in your heart, but until it comes out in the form of generosity, no one's going to see it. That's why it's so important to be generous, because generosity brings hope. Amen. The second power of generosity is this. Generosity produces joy. Is that when you give generously, you will often experience a joy that money cannot buy. See, it, I, I'll tell it this way. It's quite simply, it feels good to use your money to make a positive difference. It feels good in a way that buying that next video game doesn't feel good. In a way that buying that new car doesn't feel good. Even in a way of saving doesn't feel good. As much as I love saving, is it feels good when you use your money to make a difference that's positive in the life of someone else. And why is that? Well, one reason is because you're taking money, and you're using it the way it was meant to be used. Not as an idol to be worshipped, not as an evil to be avoided, not as some treasure to be hoarded, but as a tool to be used for good. And when you do that, with that comes just a very natural joy. And also, you're not just using money the right way, you're using your life the right way as well, as a blessing to other people. And when you do that, when you live out your purpose, there's joy in that. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says it this way. It says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Would you underline those words in 2 Corinthians 9, 11? So that you can be generous on every occasion. See, would you underline those words? He's saying this, is that the reason why God blesses you is not so that you can hoard it, not so you can worship the blessing, but so that you can be generous on every occasion. In other words, you are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed not just for your own comfort, for your own happiness, or just for no some random reason. You are blessed because God had other people in mind. You are blessed to be a blessing. Turn your neighbor and say, you are blessed to be a blessing. It's one of the big reasons God placed you on this earth because you're blessed to be a blessing. And when you start to act out in generosity, you're living out your purpose, and that comes with joy. Like like we said in our Happier You series last month, happiness is not just the attainment of pleasure. It's the fulfillment of purpose. And when you use your life the way it was meant to be used, when you fulfill your purpose, there is a joy there that money cannot buy. And it's not just you who is joyful, but it's the people who receive your generosity who are obviously joyful as well. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That's the second way that generosity is powerful. Third way that generosity is powerful. Generosity grows character. See, when you give generously, it does something to you. It's that you grow more like Jesus in your character when you're generous. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 7, and 9. It says, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. For you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. You know, every morning, my younger son Caleb He goes down to our living room, and he opens a cabinet to reveal a CD player. Yes, we still use CD players in the Lynn family. And he will play this song almost every day. It goes like this. It's a little salty, uh, you know, kids' praise song. It goes, I want to be Lord just like you, and oh, the good things that I want to do. Listen to my heart, Lord, yes, it's true when you give your peace and you show Share your joy and you show your love. Oh Lord, I want to be like you. I wish Caleb could sing that. One day he will. Maybe I'll let you, let you hear it one day. But the fact is this this song, the simple cute song, is talking about wanting to be like Jesus. Wanting to give peace, wanting to share joy, want to show love to others like Jesus does. And why do I mention that in the context of generosity? It's because you are never more like Jesus than when you give Unselfishly. God is a generous God. The heart of God pounds and overflows. With something called generosity. That's the heart of God. He is so generous. John 3, 16, the most famous verse in the Bible says it right there, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves and so he gives. God is a generous God, so much so that he would be willing to give everything just for the chance for you and I to be with him. Even Jesus in Hebrews says, in Hebrews 12, it says that Jesus for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and then sat down at the right hand of God. What is it saying? It's saying the reason why Jesus was able to persevere to the cross and hang on a tree and die for our sins is because there was a joy set before him. And do you know what that joy was? That joy is you. That joy is just even the chance that one day he could be with you. That is how much God loves you. You are God's joy. Turn to me and say, you are God's joy. And so for those of you who think that you're worthless, you're some mistake, no one cares, you don't matter. The fact is you matter to God so very much that he gave his only son for you because you are God's joy. Oh, come on, give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now. Amen. And if you are God's joy, it doesn't really matter what other people say about you anymore. But the fact is this. Why are we talking about this? It's because God expressed his incredible love for you by giving, by giving unselfishly. And when we give unselfishly, when we are generous with what we have, we are like Jesus in the way we live, in our values, our attitude, our perspective, our behavior, our conduct, our lifestyle. If you believe that, say amen. See that's why it's no coincidence that most of the, most, the the most mature Christians that you will likely find in this world are also the most generous is that they might not have a lot by the world standards, but what they have, they're happy to give. And they're not just generous for a moment, or generous for a season, or generous for a resume, but they're, they've learned to make generosity their lifestyle. It's just the way they live. And they've managed their giving in such a way that they can be effective, not just for a short term, but for the long term. Because this is the thing. No matter how many books you read, no matter how many conferences you attend, no matter how many churches you've gone to, no matter how many sermons you hear, if you're all about just taking and consuming and getting, and you're not about giving, then guess what? You're not spiritually mature at all. You're still a spiritual baby who's living for yourself because mature believers are unselfish and they're generous. Amen? And that's why I'll encourage you to be someone who plants both feet in one church. It's not because, you know, you know, it's, it's that well, we won't want to cooperate with other churches, not at all. But this is the thing, is that whether it's Thrive or somewhere else, I want I want to you know, ask you to be really careful. And in fact, I'd ask you not to kind of divide your time between different places, go, oh, I'm gonna get this from this church, I'm gonna get this from that church, I'm gonna get this from this church, and you're all about getting, 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 getting. At the end of the day, what's gonna happen is that you're just a consumer. But if you would plant both. Both feet into one church and put you in a position to not just receive but give as well. That's called healthy spirituality. That's called normal Christianity. That's called being like Jesus. Amen. See, when you give generously, you're showing that selfishness doesn't have a hold on you. God has a hold on you. When you give generously, you're showing that it's not my money, it's God's money. And in the end, it all belongs to him anyways. That's why how you give is one of the greatest measures of your spiritual maturity. Generosity grows your character. Turn me and say generosity grows my character. Generosity grows my character. Fourth way that generosity is powerful, we'll just go to this one really quick. Generosity yields lasting fruit. See, when you give generously, you're using money, which does not last, to produce fruit that can last forever. See, Jesus says it this way. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, what's Jesus saying? Jesus saying, Use money which you cannot keep to gain rewards in heaven which you cannot lose. See, How? By being generous. 1 Timothy 6, 17, 19 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. power. Number five, the fifth way that generosity brings power and is powerful is generosity attracts further blessings. See, when you give generously, you give God room to bless you even more. 2 Corinthians 9, six says, remember this, whoever show, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The Bible says that if you would sow generously, God is going to make sure that you reap generously. As well. And that God is able to make all grace abound to you, such that even when you are generous, when you're generous, you at the same time will have everything that you need. Because God loves you and He cares about you. And when you are generous, it pleases His heart because God Himself is generous and He's like, I'm going to make sure this child is taken care of. Because generosity attracts further blessings. You know, we've been talking a little bit about tithing during the series of uh, money management, financially fit. And what is tithing? Tithing is taking that first 10% of your income and giving that to God, something that God commands us to do in the Bible. It's a way for us to say, God, I'm putting you first. It's a way for us to equip and take care of our church. It's a way for us to develop the habit of generosity and giving in our lives. But it's also a way to give God room to bless us even more. In fact, I've been so encouraged by, over the past few weeks, hearing different stories from people, whether it's in our small group or in different parts of the church, people telling us about when they decided to tithe faithfully, that that God blessed them with everything that they needed and more. In some cases, it came in the fact that well, they're not really sure how they're going to make it through the month, but God somehow in miraculous ways provided a provision for them, provided an amount that they weren't expecting. In some cases, it came in the form of a promotion. In some cases, it came in the form of a new job. And that's the thing, is that when we are generous, it has this magnetic effect that attracts further blessings. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, we don't hear about him often, but his name is Cornelius. Cornelius was the first non-Jewish Christian. You can read about him in Acts 10. And before he knew Jesus, the Bible says that Cornelius was God-fearing. And that he believed in God, although he didn't know who Jesus was, he believed in God and he also was generous. He would give all this money to the poor. And and there's this part in Acts 10 where God comes to Cornelius and he says, Hey, Cornelius, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up to me as a memorial offering, and I'm now going to send to you to tell you the gospel. See, what's going on? Cornelius is not a Christian, but he believes in God, he fears God, and he's generous with his money, and God says, I see that. I see that generosity, and I'm going to bless you even more. And so what does he do? He sends someone to tell Cornelius and his family the gospel. Cornelius hears about Jesus. He he recognizes that he himself, no matter how much good he's done, is also not perfect. He too needs a Savior. He receives Jesus into his life. He becomes the first non- non-Jewish Christian in history. And see what was going on. Generosity was paving the way for even greater blessings. Amen. Is that Cornelius' generosity prepared the way for God to do an even greater work in his life? Could it be that the reason why you have not experienced that breakthrough that you've been looking for, that breakthrough that you've been dreaming of, that breakthrough you've been asking for, is because maybe you have not been generous with what you have? Is that instead of being generous with what you have, you've been lazy with what you had. Because instead of being generous with what you have, you've been hoarding what you have. Instead of being generous with what you have, you've been doing something else. But the power of giving is this, is when we will be generous with what God has given to us, it attracts more blessings to us. And that's when breakthroughs will happen. If you believe us, say amen. See, that's the power of giving. Five reasons why giving is so powerful. Five reasons why we want to give generously. It's no wonder why over and over, cover to cover, the Bible emphasizes generosity. And so since God made us to be generous, since generosity is powerful, since through generosity we spread contagious hope, how can you and I maximize the power of our giving? Let's get into that right now. See, maybe you're here and you're having a tough time trying to draw boundaries around your giving. Kind of like, I want to give, but there's so many different people asking for money, and how do I decide, and how much should I give? Maybe you're in that place today. Hopefully you find this next part helpful. Maybe you're here, and the fact is you're probably disillusioned about giving. Is that maybe people have been asking you for help, asking for money. Maybe you gave some, and you feel like they didn't appreciate it. They're just asking for more now, and you're like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Maybe, maybe you even feel taken advantage of. Maybe you feel taken for granted. I know what you mean. I've been there before, but that can I tell you this? That's not a reason to get cold-hearted, tight-fisted, and just stop giving completely. That's a reason to learn to be more careful, more strategic, and more focused in how we give. Amen. And so let's talk about how we can do that right now. Five ways to maximize the power of your, of your giving. We're going to go through them really quick. Number one, plan your giving. If you want to maximize the power of your giving, you've got to plan. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to plan. You gotta plan. You can't just always be spontaneous and based on how I feel, but you gotta plan your giving. Isaiah 32, verse 8 says this: It says, generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Is that if you want to maximize the power of your giving, you need to plan. How do you plan your giving? Let me give you a few suggestions right now to plan your giving. Number one, put it in your budget. Put giving in your budget. We have been talking about budgeting, how budgeting helps us keep records, it helps us set goals, it helps us to see where the problems are. We need to budget, because just as you want to budget for how much you save, just as you budget for how much you spend, you also want to you also want a budget for how much you give. And so for example, in our home, Shar and I, in our budget, we will, you know, we will give the first ten percent to God. We'll have a second 10% that goes to savings, and the rest we try to live on, but within that re- remaining 80%, we will try to have a separate category for gifts, whether it's for individuals or maybe for an organization that we care about, and see, how much should you give? Well, when it comes to tithing, we've talked about that before, it's the first 10%. Is that pre-tax or post-tax? If you know, somebody have asked that question, it's a good question. It shows that you're being really conscientious. For Charlie and I, we tithe our pre-tax amount, just because we would like to say the first 10 10% and all that goes to God. But one person asked you, what if I tithe my post-tax amount, and then in April during tax time, when I do my taxes, I tithe what's on my tax return? That's totally legit as well. And in fact, I commend you for just being as conscientious and thoughtful about it that way. I think that is great. And see, what about things outside of your tithe? How much should you give then? Well, there's no there's no standard that God gives on that one. See, it's it's up to you. 2 Corinthians 9, 7-8 to 8 says, each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctancy or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. See, Paul saying that outside of your tithe. This is talking about offerings now. Outside of your tithe, what else you do with the giving portion of your budget is up to you. How much you want to give. You want to do it cheerfully. You want to do it not under compulsion. In other words, you don't feel forced to do it, but you do it because there's compassion in your heart to do so. You also want to make sure you're financially healthy in doing it. That it doesn't it doesn't put you in a long term bad situation for yourself financially. The key is to be intentional. Turn to say be intentional be intentional in your giving means, you know, for some people, you know, so that they don't forget and how many of you are forgetful in this place? I can be forgetful as well. Some people, they set up a recurring automatic withdrawal from their account so that they make sure it goes and they don't even think about it. Some people, they like to think about it because they feel like they're they're more involved in the process. And so they like to physically write that check or physically give that cash or physically hand in that envelope and personally deliver. That's cool too. In fact, we really appreciate whenever people do that here at Thrive, they'll physically come here. You know, it, it saves us the the, the the internet fees. Praise God. It's all those things. But see, whatever way helps you to give most effectively is the way to go. You want to ask yourself, how can I make the biggest difference with my giving? Because for example, you can probably make a bigger long-term impact by giving regularly to the same person or the same organization and building a relationship with them as opposed to just randomly giving, oh, five bucks here, hundred bucks here. five Because that's not intentional. You want to be strategic. And if it helps pull your resources and plan ahead. Turn in and say, plan your giving. Plan your giving. Now, the way you can plan your giving, plan not just for when you're alive, plan for when you die. You know, like I mentioned before, you can, you know, if you don't have a will, you can set up a will and plan your giving in your will. That's called planning your giving. Number two, if you want to wait, maximize the power of your giving, do your research first before you give. You want to do what's called your due diligence. We do that with relationships. We do that with investments. We want to do that with when you give as well. See, when I was 23 years old and I was starting to make some money... I thought to myself, you know, I, I want to start giving, and uh, you know, in addition to tithing, I thought, you know, I want to you know see if there's other organizations that I want to give to, and, and and I came across an organization whose name I really liked. I'm not going to tell you what organization. I just really liked their name. I thought the name was cool, and I didn't really do that much due diligence beyond that. I just really liked the name, and basically because I liked the name, I started to give every month to this organization. Only later I realized that their name didn't quite match exactly what they were doing. And I don't totally regret giving them the money, but it made me think, man, I kind of wish I did my due diligence. That was my fault. Is that I should have done my research before I gave. You need to do your research. I me say do your research. Proverbs 18-13 says, what a shame. Yes, how stupid to decide before knowing the facts. That's in the Bible. That's right. You want to know the facts first. So here's some questions you can ask yourself before you commit to giving to an organization. Here's one. Do you agree with this organization's activities and values? the stuff that they're doing. Find out what they do. Do you agree with it? Do you affirm what they do? Do you affirm their values? Another one is, does this organization have a track record for being responsible with money? Or are, they, are they responsible? Are they financially fit themselves? Are they transparent about the way, the way they use their money? Or is everything hidden? Everything's a secret. You're not allowed to know anything at all. What, what is the character of the leader's who are leading this organization? Does this organization have a plan for what they're gonna do with this money or are they just hoarding it for no reason at all? Are they able to issue a tax receipt? See, as much as you can, I wanna encourage you when you're giving to an organization is to get a tax receipt. Why? It's because you can then use that money for other purposes. You, you can get that tax receipt. You, 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 part, you put it as part of your income tax return. Money comes back to you in the form of a deduction and you can use that somewhere else. I encourage you to do that. But know that not all organizations can give tax receipts. And so you gotta check that before you do it. What is this called? This is called do your research first. For example, when, we, when COVID-19 hit, back in March and we decided as a church that we wanted to launch a campaign to raise funds for Backpack Buddies a local charity that's there to help provide meals to kids living in poverty in greater Vancouver before we decided to launch it you know we took a team to go out to North Vancouver to check out Backpack Buddies ourselves to kick the tires and to see the warehouse and to see all that because we want to make sure that this this money that we're giving is going to someplace legit what were we doing it's called we're doing our research we're doing our due diligence then we can have all the confidence that much more, that the money is going to the right place. Amen. Amen. That's called do your research first. Number three, from time to time, practice giving spontaneously and with no strings attached. See, don't think that giving always has to be so planned and so structured and, 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 and you can't give unless you go through all this red tape first. That's, that, I think it's important to plan your giving, but it's also important to also be open in, in those times when God maybe wants you to give something spontaneously. Amen. Sometimes it's those small, spontaneous acts of kindness that can make such a difference. You know, especially if you're giving to an individual, you know, don't, you don't always have to feel like, oh, can I get a tax receipt for that? You give, you give some money to someone else. Oh, can I get a tax receipt? Please don't do that. Please don't do it. It's about learning to give with no strings attached. Jesus talks about that kind of giving, giving without any expectation of repayment. And when you give, you trust God that he'll take care of the rest. You've done your due diligence, you've done your planning, and you give and you trust God to take care of the rest. Don't be some micromanaging control freak who thinks that just because you gave a little bit, that gives you the right to micromanage everything and tell people what to do. You have to respect the fact that God is in charge and other people have other roles that you don't have. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. So you want to try, try to practice giving spontaneously and with no strings attached. That's why, you know, Char and I will will have in our glove compartments, in our cars, we'll have like, you know, granola bars and, you know, snacks that where we see someone where we don't maybe feel comfortable giving money. Sometimes we do, but you know, we'll see someone we can give, spont- it's called planned spontaneity. You know, we, we, we want to be able to give spontaneously because we've already got something there. Amen. Number four, if you want to maximize the power of your giving, don't just give money. Give your time and energy too. Give your time and energy too. In fact, in 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 just a minute, I'm going to give you a few ideas on how you can be generous this Christmas. And not just to your kids, not just to your loved ones when it comes to Christmas gifts, but how you can be generous this Christmas to the world. And only one of them is going to have to do with money. But let's get to that in just a bit. Number five, if you want to maximize the power of your giving, don't wait for perfect conditions before you give start now. Start now. A lot of people say, oh, you know what? One day when I'm rich, one day when I've got money, one day when I've got time, one day when I'm not so busy, one day when I'm more stable, then I'll give. Then I'll be generous. No, the way that Bible works, you give now. You start to be generous now. You build that habit. It doesn't matter if it's just a little bit or it's a lot. What matters is you make generosity your habit. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. You will never have perfect conditions. If you are the kind of person who always gives excuses not to give forever until you decide to change, there will always be an excuse. There will always be a reason, oh, I'm not ready. No, oh, I'm not ready. That goes for a lot of things. That goes for baptism. That goes for, uh, you know, that goes for giving. That goes for serving. It goes for all those things. I want you to encourage you here at Thrive Church to build the habit of generosity, even if it means starting small. John D. Rockefeller, who's in some ways regarded as the wealthiest man in U.S. history, he said, I would have never been able to tithe the first million dollars I've ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. It all starts small little by little. You know, one thing that kind of touched me uh, a couple weeks ago was after our, our, one of the episodes of our Financial Fit series talking a bit about tithing. Bradley, the next day, my, my older son, he came up to me after episode two and he gave me this little box and it's this, plastic, it's this tiny little box that you can kind of fit like maybe a few chocolates in and it's got a green Luigi, kind of a you know, Super Mario Luigi sticker on there uh, and then on, 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 the, on the side, it, he wrote my tithe. And then, uh, you know, and inside there's some coins and there's some, there's some, there's some bills in there. And the fact is, I I know where that comes from because he has this piggy bank where whenever he gets money, you know, it has three sections. There's the store, that's for his spending. There's the bank, that's for his saving. And there's the church, there's a church building and that's for his tithe. And, And every time he gets money, he'll, he'll divide it between those three things. And, uh, and, you know, on, uh, you know, I think it was a couple weeks ago, he came up to me and gave me this little box. And I was so touched because it just goes to show that you're never too young to start learning to be generous. You're never too young to start learning to share. What are some ways that you can start giving generously now? Since we don't want to wait for perfect conditions, what can we do now? Let me give you three ways you can start to be generous this December, this Christmas. Number one, you can generously invite people to our Christmas services on December 20. You can generously invite people to our Christmas service and to Santa's workshop happening on December 19. We've been telling a lot of our friends who don't go to church, hey, we would love for you to be part of Santa's workshop. It's our treat, and so and that's part of our giving. We want to we treat them to this because we want to you know let them experience a good Christmas despite everything else going on, and you can do the same. Invite people to Santa's workshop. Invite people to our Christmas services. It's because the stakes are way too high. This is not just about come for a fun event. This is because eternity hangs in the balance for so many people. And we want to give them the opportunity to experience God's love, God's peace, God's hope, God's presence. And we only do that. Hope only comes when we're generous. Amen. And so let's be generous in the way we invite people this Christmas. It's happening next week. Oh, I can't believe it. It's next week. It's next week, but we're so excited. And you can do your part by giving generously as well. Another one is this, give generously of your time fact is that we need volunteers to help with online hosting, uh, eventually to help on maybe a media team, uh, different things, not just for this Christmas, but into the brand new year of 2021. If you want to get generous when it comes to your time. and Use the talents that God has given you to serve him. You can go to mythrive.info and press the button serving team sign up. We'd love to get you involved in serving here at Thrive and to be generous with what we have because you got so much to offer. Finally, a third way that you can start to be generous now at Christmas is consider giving a year-end gift. Here at Thrive Church, you know, we are, you know, in an unprecedented time where we've got, you know, uh, a big mission, a big dream that we're pursuing. People, a whole city, cities that we're trying to reach. And all of that, of course, costs something. And if you have been blessed by the work that God has been doing here at Thrive Church, then I want to encourage you to consider giving a year in end gift. And that would be something that's in addition to your normal tithes. It's where you, you, you want to give as just an expression to say, God, thank you for your provision this past year. It might have not been the easiest year. And there might have been some bumps in the road, but I just believe that those bumps in the road are stepping stones to my destiny. And I'm going to thank you for your faithfulness. And so I'm going to give you a year end gift. Thank you for the blessings of this past year. That's one thing that you do with your year end gift. Another way that you're using your year end gift is you're equipping your church you're, you're resourcing your church to accomplish our mission together to reach our city and the world with the hope that we have in Jesus to spread contagious hope. And finally, your year-end gift is you sowing into the new year of 2021. It's saying, God, since generosity attracts further blessings, I want to sow into 2021, and I want to give a year-end gift to make room for you to do even greater things in and through my church, in and through my life. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Tax deductible, you know, donations are all, you know, receipted, all that stuff. I encourage you to consider giving a year in gift. Just go to mythar.info, click on online offering to give. Church, the reason why we're talking today about the power of giving is because this Christmas, I don't want you to waste the opportunities that God has given to us. We have an opportunity. To, shed, to, to spread contagious hope in ways we've never done before. So let's make the most of that opportunity. Because if we want to spread contagious hope, we need to be generous. So let's be generous in the way we invite people to church. Let's be generous in the way that we encourage people. Let's be generous in the way that we serve. Let's be generous in the way we give of our time. Let's be generous in the way that we give of what we have. Because when we do so, God is going to use it to build his church, to lift up his name, to expand his kingdom and the best is yet to come. Oh, Come on, give God a big hand, a big shout. Let's place together right now. Amen. And one day, one day at the end of all this, since your generosity is an, an investment in eternity, I believe one day when you're generous today, one day when you're in heaven, you're going to meet people there that you never expected to come up to you and say thank you. Maybe it's someone from, maybe, maybe it's a grade school kid. Or they were in grade school at the time, right around this year, but you know, in heaven, maybe they're a bit older, but they come up to you and say, thank you so much for giving the Backpack Buddies. I was one of your Backpack Buddies. Or someone from Kenya comes up to you in heaven and says, you know what? We never met before, but because you gave, I have a Bible and that Bible led me to Jesus. Thank you. Or maybe it's someone in your home. Someone in your family, someone in your neighborhood, someone in your school, where they didn't have much hope before they met Jesus, but because you invited them to a Christmas service, because you invited them to church, because you gave that invitation, because you were generous, their lives, something happened that they're they're never the same again. That's the power of giving. And I will encourage you to use the power that God has given you to shine a big light. Just as the wise men, those magi, came to Jesus because they followed a star, may you be a star that shines so brightly this Christmas through your generosity, bringing people to a place of hope, that place, his name is Jesus. Because hope is not just a feeling. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus Christ and our world needs him. And so let's do all that we can to give generously so that more and more people in our city and around the world can get to know him. Do you believe that? Do you receive that church? Can you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Praise God. Oh, there's more in that. Go God, can you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. This is an opportunity for us to respond to God right now. And if you're here and maybe you're new to church or you're new to this whole gospel thing about Jesus, but you're here and you realize today that there is a message being preached to you today about how God loved you so much because you are his joy. He sent Jesus Christ for you to die on the cross for your sins so that you could have a way back to him. Because when we had no way of reaching God, God reached for us by sending Jesus Christ to die for us, to die for our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Not only that, but Jesus, he rose again from the grave to show that you can trust every word that Jesus says, to show that sin and death, our two biggest problems, have no hold over Jesus. That when you put your trust in Jesus, not only are sins forgiven, but you have hope for eternity, something called eternal life. And if you want the assurance of knowing where you're going to go after you die, if you want peace for today and hope for tomorrow, if you want forgiveness for your sins, I want to give you an opportunity right now to receive that. It's as simple as praying a prayer. If you want to pray that prayer with me from your heart, why don't you say this with me? Don't worry about your neighbor because it doesn't concern them. This is between you and God. Would you pray this prayer? Why don't you lift up your hands? This is an expression of your need for God as well. Again, don't worry about your neighbor. It doesn't concern them. This is between you and God right now. If that's you and you realize you need God in your life, you need his peace, his forgiveness through Jesus Christ, then why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Dear Jesus, Thank you that you love me so much. You call me your joy and you gave your life for me. You died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. I open up my heart right now. Please forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen 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 you the bible says if you pray that prayer and you meant that from your heart that you are forgiven of your sins You are a child of God. You're a citizen of heaven and the best is yet to come. And so huge congratulations to you if you prayed that prayer just now. Can we give all of our friends who prayed that prayer a big hand? Big shout right now. Big congratulations to you. In fact, if you want, if you prayed that prayer, you can touch the button that says, I commit my life to Jesus or you can text the word believe to 604-285-5770. We've got an encouraging resource gift to give to you, to encourage you and to help you unpack this powerful prayer that you just prayed. Big congratulations to you. And for those of you here who want to make the most out of this, December, you want to use the power of giving to make a difference in the lives of people around you. Then I want to encourage you right now lift your hands to God right now. I want you lift up your hand to God. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you want God to use your life to be a blessing this Christmas because you're blessed to be a blessing. I want you lift up your hands and let the height of your hands reflect how much you want to use the power of giving. You don't want to waste the opportunities that are in front of you, but you want to make the most of every one of them because you are blessed to be a blessing. I want you just lift up your hand to God right now and I want you just start praying to God right now. We start praying for your friends that you want to invite to Christmas service that you haven't invited yet. Will you pray for those friends you've already invited? Will you pray for our Christmas services? Pray for Santa's workshop. Pray for both of these events that God would use them in such a powerful way to bring God's hope, God's love, God's peace, God's presence to the lives of many people who've never known who Jesus is before. We just pray that God would use these events to spread contagious hope, that people would catch hope because of Jesus this coming Christmas weekend on the 19th and the 20th. Would you start talking to God Right now, don't wait for me to stop talking. Just start talking to God right now. Come on, church, together right now. I know you're I know where you are, I know I'm where I am, but together as a church family, let's bind together, let's knit together, let's unite together right now, let's pray together for our Christmas services. We can't do anything without God. We need Him so much. So start talking to God and pray that God would use you and use your church in such powerful ways to spread contagious hope this coming year, this coming Christmas. Let's all pray aloud in this place together right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you God. Thank you Jesus. Hope is on the way. We thank you God. Hope is coming. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Father. Hope is coming. Thank you Lord. Thank you God. Bring your hope. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you God. Thank you Jesus. Praise you Lord. Praise you God. Father we thank you so much. That this coming Christmas weekend of the 19th and 20th, hope is coming. That you are coming and that you are going to meet people and spread contagious hope through us this coming Christmas weekend. We thank you and we're so excited. We pray, Father God, that you would use us and that we ourselves would use the power you put in our hands to be generous and to give unselfishly, to invite, to share. to to, to welcome, to do all the things that we need to do so that we can bring people to you. And we invite you, Jesus Christ, to move so powerfully through our Christmas events, move so powerfully through Santa's workshop, move so powerfully through our Christmas services, all four of them, move so powerfully through the people of Thrive Church to use every invitation that they make, use every way that they step out in faith to be courageous and love someone. Would you use Thrive Church to be like stars that lead people to Jesus. We thank you so much that t- today we as a church are gonna say the best is yet to come and it's because you're writing a greater story and the best really is up ahead. And so we thank you today. We pray for all of our friends that we're inviting and the friends that we haven't invited yet that we're gonna invite. We pray, Father God, for a favorable response. We pray, Father, that many people would say yes to Jesus on that day. We say that, pray that many people, their lives would catch hope because of Jesus this coming Christmas and through your church. We thank you so much. And Father, we give you praise. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, come on, give God a big hand, a big shout. Let's let's gather right now. We're going to hand the time to our band. They're going to lead us in a song. Let's continue to worship God. At the same time, you can give your faithful tithes, your generous offerings. Let's give God our very best. No, no, we seek God's kingdom first. He adds what? He adds everything we need. Go to mythrive.info to give. Let's give God all of our best, including this song right now. Let's do that together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that we get to be part of what you're doing here in this world. We thank you so much that for every single person who's got their heart open, who's praying together right now with us, that God, you know the plans you have for them, plans to prosper them and not to harm them, plans to give them hope and a future, that they are blessed to be a blessing. And we pray that you would use them in powerful ways this coming Christmas. We thank you, Jesus. And with that in mind, we pray all of your protection, courage, faith, wisdom, unselfishness, generosity, you know, hope, healing, comfort, and your Holy Spirit to fill every single one of us until we next meet again. We thank you. Say, let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more time. Give God a big hand, a big shout together right now. You guys are an amazing church. You guys are a generous church We love you guys Have an amazing week Let's get ready for one of the most amazing weekends We've ever had at Thrive Church It's Christmas weekend next week We can't wait to see you We can't wait to see your friends Praise God the best is yet to come Have a great one everybody Love you guys God loves you We'll see you guys really soon Thank you for the
0: powerful message Pastor JB It is indeed a message we can take with us In the week to follow Now the announcements. If this is your first time visiting us we would love to hear from you. Text NEW to 604 285 5770 and we want to connect with you and we will mail you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle. If you make the important decision to receive Jesus Christ, let us know by texting BELIEVE to 604 285 5770 We want to let you know that all of us at Thrive are celebrating the decision you've made. We have also prepared a gift that includes a series of videos that may answer some of your questions about Christianity. And we hope that it will guide you on your new journey with Jesus Christ. If you would like to get baptized or find out more about baptism, go to mythrive.info forward slash baptism. Despite the challenges going on in our world, the good news is that there is still a hope worth celebrating. Thrive Church has prepared a special online Christmas service next Sunday, filled with music, joy, and an inspiring message. Our goal is to bring the hope of Christmas right to your screens. Join us next Sunday, December 20th, at any of these four time slots. 9.30am, 11.30am, 2.30pm or 7.30pm. We can't wait to share the Christmas celebrations with you. Also, Santa's workshop on Zoom is happening this coming Saturday, December 19th. Parents, your kids are going to have so much fun. Registration is available at mylife.info. That is all for the announcements. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure spending this time with you. Have a wonderful week and we will see you again next week at the Christmas service online. Stay blessed and healthy and remember you are always in our
2: prayers.